This episode of Says Who is brought to you by you through your support of our Patreon at patreon.com slash says who you are the one that makes this happen. Thanks. Thanks. Patreon.com slash says who. Hi, this is Maureen. Well, it's happened. The hand on the wall is out. Would you like a book? Maybe a book. We'll talk about books and how there there should be books and you should be able to read them. But maybe you want to read the Truly Devious trilogy. Truly Devious, The Vanishing Stare, The Hand on the Wall, out now. Everyone's reading it. It's green books. And this is Dan. The impeachment trial is maybe over real soon or maybe not. We'll talk about that in a second. But if you want to keep up with it, subscribe to my newsletter, impeachment.fyi. You can go to impeachment.fyi slash sign up and you will get them in your email every time the trial ends and you can slowly watch my brain decompose. Impeachment.fyi. Impeachment.fyi. Hey, Maureen, you are back from your book tour. Before we even get into the episode, I need to know, how did it go? We uh, we need to talk, Dan. We need to talk. Just play the music, Dan. Just play the music. Welcome to Says Who, the podcast that isn't a podcast. It's a coping strategy. I am Dan Sinker. And I'm Maureen Johnson. Just shaking it up again with the... Yeah, you're really... I'm really... Really shaking just it up. trying new ways of saying stuff. I just want to try words new ways. Maureen, you are back. I am back. You're kind back of. from a glamorous week of mm. selling books, mm. meeting readers. Mm. Generally, just living life a mm. quarter mile at a time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did it all go? Dan, you may remember that when I was telling everyone about this book tour, it was I was talking about going on five stops to L.A., Denver, uh, Philadelphia, so down to Wilmington, uh, Oxford Valley, PA, and down to Georgia. Yeah. And uh, well, how did it go, Dan? Let me let me walk you through it. Uh, so last Tuesday, I flew to L.A., or Monday, I flew to L.A., and I recorded the last episode from my uh, hotel room yeah, in L.A. Yeah, hotel room. And the stars were in your eyes I was, and out on the streets. I was running around, and I was doing all the things, and it was very good, and I had tacos, delicious tacos. I had tacos again that night. I had a great event at the Grove with Billy Jensen. And then the next day, I flew to Denver, and I stayed with my friend and agent, Kate. And so we had a, so here's what happens, Dad. Kate has three children and two dogs. Yeah. And um, it's a fun house. It's got a lot of fun stuff going on. Um, the one dog is very protective of everybody and feels that he is the dominant dog. And the other dog is the submissive, goofy dog named Toby. And they're both yeah. fairly big dogs. And so I, you know, I wake up the first morning and um, her little Kate's little daughter is there and she's brought me a rotary telephone. She says, I brought you a phone. 
And that's how like everything started. I was doing a lot of anti MJ on the phone and stuff. And it was, you sure. know, it was exciting because, you know, little kids, who they, doesn't love it? They come yeah. and they get you in the morning. And Kate, we, we, I had some stuff to do in the morning and then she had to go off and teach an exercise class. She said, I'll be back in one hour. So in that hour, Dan, I had to do a call into a podcast and record that. And then there were like technical issues, but we recorded it. And as soon as I hung up that call, I looked at the two dogs and said, guys, I did it. It happened. And I went over to pet Toby, the submissive dog. Uh-huh. And everything was good. And then the other dog, Booker, who's the, the boss dog, came over very quietly. And I thought, oh, this is good. Booker is accepting. And then, Dan, it started. Booker oh, no. launches for Toby. Oh, no. Launches. Oh, no. Like snarling. Launch. So they... It's a big, it's a big like suburban Denver house. So first they go tearing okay. into the basement, which is a big furnished basement where Kate's office is and, and they're chasing and it's getting really nasty. And I finally managed to kind of jump between them and get Toby in the office and Booker on the outside. And I, and I calmed Booker down and I, or I calmed Toby down. And I told him everything was okay. And I thought I'd solve the problem then. I sat in there for 10, 10 minutes with Booker, with Toby. I mean, Toby is the, the submissive one. And then somehow... Toby got the door open when I went outside and then it started again, tears to the basement, goes tearing up the stairs, tears around the kitchen table so fast and hard. It knocks out a heat vent like out of the floor, <laughs> goes tearing into the bedroom where Toby has run for shelter and is trying to hide behind chairs. By this point, I'm screaming because I'm trying to get Booker's attention because I can't handle him. So I'm trying to signal to him. To, to back off so I can then try to body block him and get out of the room. Well, <laughs> it gets stuck behind, they get wedged behind these, like these chairs and it's between a wall and these chairs and little Toby <laughs> and Toby gets stuck. And all of a sudden I see blood shoot up the wall. Oh God. And then I really start screaming. And I think Booker realized a bad thing had happened and I got him out of the room and I shut the door and I locked it. And then I examined Toby and Toby had been bitten on the nose. You know, he's drooling. He's terrified. So I grab a bunch of tissues and I compress his nose and I sit with him and I just hold him and I, you know, clean his little, and I just try to talk him down and there's blood. And at this point, there's blood up and down my arms. I'm holding all these bloody oh tissues. There's blood on the wall. There's blood on the window because the blood just kind of <laughs> shot. So Kate comes home. In that kind of classic community, you know, like he, the guy and he walks in with the pizzas and like everything's on fire. Well, she comes home. I'm kneeling on the floor of her bedroom, cradling her dog, blood everywhere. And I'm like, there's some blood on the wall and the windows. I haven't had time to get it off yet because I'm still. So anyway, we ca she calls the vet. There's like nothing really to be done. We they, she separates the two dogs, settles everything. We quickly throw. I wash off the blood. We have to quickly run some errands because her son needs stuff and we have to go downtown. So we run the errands. We come back. Uh, I quick, you know, change the clothes. But then we go to Denver. The, the event, Tattered Cover, is amazing. Amazing, amazing event. But we have no time for dinner, Dan. We haven't really eaten mu much during the day. So then we get up the next day. We have to leave at the crack of ass to get on the plane to Philadelphia. Yeah. There's kids, there's stuff, there's cake pops, and then the dogs, need, everybody needs to be put in the car and shoes and everything. And we get to the airport and it's great. It's a super crowded flight. United kept telling me I wasn't on it, but they finally gave me a ticket. Get on the flight. We're all packed in 
smushed in. I got coats on me. I've got bags on me. I've got like stuff on my head practically, which is probably where I lost my headphones, which we'll get to. Then we get to Philly. Everything's good. Uh, and then uh, the next day, we were busy the whole day. We go down to Delaware, come back, and uh, then we have to go to an ALA reception, which is great. And then by that point, it's 9 o'clock. We haven't had proper dinner in a couple nights. And we go to this place, which is supposed to look like, really nice. And I'm like, I don't get scallops that often. I'm going to get these scallops. Mm. Haven't eaten. It looks like the mm. most simple thing on the menu because a lot of it's like, do you want a giant burger with a pile of fries, like veggie burger with fries? And I'm like, I don't want all that. I want something fairly straightforward. So I get these scallops then and I'm eating them. And I'm like, these are weird. But I think it was, I thought it was just because it was a super weird dish. It had what had to be an entire can of chickpeas on the plate, just chickpeas with these scallops sure. sitting. It was weird. And I said to Kate, these are weird, but I'm sure they're fine. It's just, I think this is a very unusual way of doing this. I'm hungry. So I eat four of them, but I leave some because I'm oh. like, I don't know. Like, there's just something about this. Well, Dan, let's go right to the next morning around just before 6 a.m. when I wake up and I know something's about to happen, but I do not know what. Dan, you ever had food poisoning in a hotel room that you've had, you have to check out of really soon to get in a car to do an appearance in a really short amount of time? Yeah. Well, Dan, that's when it all started. And um, I'm not going to get into the details, Dan. I'm only going to say that I managed to get outside the hotel and was standing in front of CVS at 630 in the morning, gently rattling the gates until I saw that it didn't open until 8. And then I kind of crawled <laughs> back into the hotel and was sort of crawling around the floor for a long time going, how can I do this? I got to pull this off. I've got to make this stop. I've got to be able to, I got to go to car. I have an appearance at two o'clock. I got to be there at one o'clock. I have to do this. I must stop shaking. Then I didn't make that appearance. Oh my God. Nor, so I get in the car and I'm like, you need to change the destination to take me to my family's house. And I sat very quietly in the car, just sipping ginger ale, trying to keep it all under control. And I just spent the next two days at my parents' house, just at, Terrible things, Dan. Things we will never discuss. But I uh, was oh. largely bed bound. Oh, um, oh God. At the one point, I guess it was Monday or maybe it was, it was Tuesday. I spent four hours just sitting in the recliner, sipping ginger ale, watching home renovation shows with my mom. That was fairly peaceful. But I, I couldn't really do much of anything else. Uh, so two appearances just got blown right out of the water. Uh. Then... I was supposed to record with you yesterday and I went, I was like, I will make one thing happen. Right. And I go to my bag to discover that my headphones, my nice, good headphones are gone along with the cord that connects the microphone to the computer and the internet in the room that I need to work in is not working. And I basically have all of my frustrations from three days of like barfing and missing. A, like it, I just was like, fuck this. And I kind of said, I'm sorry, I just can't do this. I can't, nothing is working. I don't have anything. And I just had to go outside and walk around. Like I just had a, well, there you I go. Just had a moment. <laughs> but your stomach is better. Yes. I have to say that if, you, if you're going to have this happen, having this happen close to your hometown where you can, you're actually 
going to be going to your parents' house and your mother is a nurse who will happily just nurse you for 48 hours straight uh, is a pretty much a blessing. I was certain. Yeah, that's a real, that's a real best case scenario in a worst case scenario kind of situation. Yeah, I was really well taken care of. Like I was getting top notch medical care and she saw some terrible things. Um, but, uh, I was so sick that I had no dignity left. So I was like, I, I don't even care what's happening. I don't care anymore about anything, whatever, whatever needs to be seen will be seen. Dan, we will never, I will never discuss some of the things that happened. Um, it's over now, Dan. Well, the good news is you really, you haven't missed anything mm. news wise. Oh, really? By being, yeah, it's been a it's been a chill, easy week. Dan, I yeah. I tried to follow a little bit. So when I was in LA, I was I definitely the last time I remember really avidly following was in LA. Um, because that was a that was a week. Everything ago. was normal. More than a week ago, I didn't get to really see anything yep. in Denver. I think I looked in Philly before it all kicked off. So, um, and then I've tried to follow a little bit over the last 24, but luckily I know a guy, I don't know if you've heard about this, but there's this guy that writes a thing called impeachment.fyi and he tracks everything that's happening in minute and agonizing. And this poor bastard, I don't, you're not even going to believe this. This poor bastard actually has to watch all of these goddamn hearings beginning to, to, to the bitter suck ass end and then has to follow all the news about it and then this guy this poor son of a bitch he has to write a whole summary of that because all these people are accounting on him to do it what a dumbass yeah who would have agreed to do something stupid like that uh maureen the impeachment tell me all about it the arguments are done. We have had we had last week three days of arguments by the house managers explaining in twenty over twenty two hours of those three days in meticulous detail backed up by testimony and documents exactly how the president abused his power and obstructed Congress. And then, That was followed by the president's lawyers taking only 12 hours to basically say, no, he didn't. Mm. 12 hours. And then 12 hours. It was so they they still took three days. Uh The first day was Saturday, which they billed as coming attractions for the for the real defense that would take place on Monday and Tuesday. So Saturday was fun. Mercifully a two hour long day and um, they what felt like kind of ran through their entire defense of the president in that two hours. Uh, then Sunday was a day off. Monday was uh, a full day of defense, a full eight hours of which maybe an hour was actually defending the president. Uh, and the rest was either. Um, attempting to impeach Barack Obama, mm-hmm. which was an interesting hour of my mm-hmm. life, um, or uh, accusing Joe Biden, or trotting out Ken Starr, the Clinton impeachment special counsel, 
and uh, Alan Dershowitz, frequent Fox News celebrity lawyer and most recent client being Jeffrey Epstein, Mm -hmm. um, to basically explain that you can't really impeach a president, but if you can, it really has to be uh, real crimes. And that there aren't real crimes here. Mm. And so this whole thing is is silly. That was eight hours on Monday. And there was a moment when Dershowitz was speaking, or maybe it was before Dershowitz, and I was like, I think they are wrapping up today. Um, and I even reached out to some folks that I know is, that are real news people. And I was like, is this, are they rapping? And at one point in the day, I actually heard back from someone that was like, yeah, you know what? The team here thinks that this is this is it. They're going to close today. And then um, at the end, when uh, Cipollone was uh, giving his closing statement, he said, you know, we'll be back tomorrow. And it was like, what the fuck are they even going to talk about tomorrow? So that was yesterday. Yesterday was their closing argument. It took them under two hours and they put a 15 minute break in there. And a lot of it was quoting Alan Dershowitz from the night before. And there it was it was as if they had gotten a call partway through the day that was basically like the president's bored. He wants you to go tomorrow. And they were like, OK, we'll go tomorrow. OK, chief. Um yeah, uh, like literally the final um, Cipollone, I think that's how you pronounce his name. I don't I don't remember. I, my brain doesn't work much. He opens his final statement. Right. So th- there were just three people that spoke yesterday. The first was this very droney, boring lawyer named Patrick Philbin, who's been um, who was charged throughout with sort of addressing the obstruction of Congress charge and was always the real low, low energy point in any, in any of the defense. Uh, then they went to Jay Sekulow who really kind of held the main, he spoke for probably, I don't know, 40 minutes. Then they took a 15 minute break and then a uh, Cipollone came on and he opens by saying, I had a really long presentation planned, but I don't think that we need it. We don't need that. We don't need it. I think that we've heard enough. And I remembered back to high school where uh, I had an AP English class my senior year that was first thing in the morning. And I was always very tired and also usually unprepared. And I realized that if I raised my hand and kept my hand up and then got called on and then I would go, Oh, I forgot. It would count as if I had actually prepared. And as as he said, I had a long defense planned, but now we're I'm just going to do a short one. I looked at him and I said, game respects game. <laughs> he spoke for 10 minutes and they wrapped. Cool. Their their total time was under 12 hours. Mm-hmm. The house did 22. And now today the questions begin. Mm-hmm. And up until Monday, I would say, it seemed as if 
questions were going to run, then there would be then what happens after that is there's a vote on witnesses. There's actually a a couple of tiers of votes involved with witnesses. And if they decide to not call witnesses, uh, there is the vote to um, either remove him from office or acquit him. Um, And by every measure at one point when it seemed like they were rapping on Monday instead of going yesterday, it was like, holy shit, that that acquittal vote may happen on Thursday, right? Because the there's there's 16 hours spread over two days of questions. That's where we are right now. Um, so the the witness question is going to drop on Friday now. Um, and it seemed like that was just sort of going to be a slam dunk quick. No, we don't need witnesses. But then the mustachioed specter of John Bolton reemerged. Yeah. Yeah. And now uh, they nobody knows. Um, Mitch McConnell yesterday pulled the Republicans together and said that currently they don't have the votes to block witnesses. So uh, clearly there's a long, long time between now and Friday. Mm-hmm. But uh, but John Bolton, Maureen Johnson. The New York Times reported that uh, there a leak from his forthcoming book mm. that um, where he says just flat out, you know, the president told me that the hold on aid for uh, military aid for Ukraine is connected to investigating Joe Biden, mm-hmm. which is a massive part of the president's defense is that there is no firsthand linkage between aid and investigations. And John Bolton, apparently, I mean, it's fairly known that he, if there was somebody who could specifically say, since Fiona Hill, who worked for him, said that he knew um, that he'd be the one. But um, he refused to go into the House uh, to testify. Um, right before this Senate trial began, he issued a statement saying that he would testify at the Senate trial. And um, as it looked like perhaps witnesses were not going to be a thing, suddenly there is a leak that his book says that it's true. There's a game being played, Maureen Johnson. There sure is. And I have a lot of questions and thoughts about this game. Because it's a game that sits purely in your wheelhouse of publishing. Yeah. And mustaches. Well, yeah. More mustaches. It It's weird. It, you know, there's lots of different things that could be going on. Um, one is that... So the, where did the leak come from? One yeah. is that Bolton's people did it on purpose. Um, to increase to increase interest in, right. in his book, which I think is because the book comes out what in mid March. Yeah, something. I should look it up. It's uh, I just actually look it up because I think it's March seventeenth. Okay, March seventeenth. Got it. Okay, all right. So what's weird about this is March seventeenth release date, which means it's going to have to really be shipped. I would think by. That book has, so the thing that's holding up, okay, let me start again, because this is really frustrating to me, Dan. 
the leak either came from someone on Bolton's team or it came from some hero within Simon and Schuster who was like, there's relevant information in here. And they got some or all of it to the Times. There's a third possibility, but we'll address that after you run through. Well, I'm, what is the third possibility? So the third possibility is that the book has actually been at the National Security uh Council mm -hmm. and the White House mm -hmm. for security review mm -hmm. since December 30th. And there is at least some theories that the leak came from inside the House. Mm. That okay. there is somebody in that review process that realized that they were sitting on something that could that could move the needle at the impeachment and that they leaked it. So there are really three possible vectors for mm. leaking. Right. Okay. Um, now I've never had a book. I've never written a book that required a, like a security review. Nope. Nobody, uh, nobody at that, at the NSA or any, or anywhere, you know, nobody has to look and be like, is this all right to put out? Um, so I don't, I don't know anything about that, but here's what I think. If this book is so vital to the national interest and it may be, it may be evidence. It may be it. It's got material in it that clearly has to be seen. Release the fucking book. Hit EPUB yeah. right now. For all I mean, we're now on. We we record on January 29th. Now apparently that book has to. Ha Here's what's confusing me: the book has to be have a security review and it hasn't passed it yet, or right. it's still sitting there. I don't know how long legally they have to take. You know, to to pass review. But if the book right. has been there since the 30th of December. Yeah, it's been a month. And the release date is March 17th. That's actually a pretty short window to approve it, transmit it to the printer, get it printed, get it to the warehouses, and get it to the stores for the 17th of March. Yeah, especially considering this is probably going to be a big print run. Right, it's going to be a large print run. So... I would imagine the files themselves are transmitted already that the book, I mean, it even a rush print job, which this likely will be takes time. I mean, yeah. I don't know how quickly they can do it. I know they can do it pretty quickly, but it's still then to get it to warehouses and to stores. I mean, it doesn't happen in like a day or two. It takes, it takes time. Yeah. So, I also don't give a fuck. Um, like there is, <laughs> like there are issues about legal, you know, some legal wrangling about security reviews, and like I'm sure there's all kinds of very, very difficult contractual stuff and monies people will be, and I monies people will be responsible for, and if it went out before it passed review, John Bolton would be in defiance of something and have to relinquish some. I don't care. I don't give one single flying fuck about John Bolton. John Bolton is a terrible human being and John Bolton this is true. has 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 not done his duty he didn't show up to fucking testify he could get up as you've said before in front of a microphone tomorrow today now he could go anywhere he could he could tweet i'm going to go stand in front of Sbarro at the mall at at one o'clock, bring your microphones and a whole press gaggle from every fucking outlet in the country would come Oh, without a doubt. And he could make his statement fucking 
anywhere at any time and tell the world the truth about this. But he has not fucking done anything. He's sitting there like a smug little son of a bitch. And I don't care if he loses. I would be delighted if he lost every fucking penny on this. Hit the fucking EPUB. I don't care if it's legally difficult. You know what's legally difficult? Having a criminal in the fucking White House who is running us into the fucking ground. You know what's difficult is having a president who is withholding money from Ukraine, who is trying to fight off attacks from Russia in order to, because they want them to make up phony investigations against his perceived opponent. You know what's difficult is having children in fucking cages. You know what's fucking difficult is having the threat of war hanging over us every single fucking day because this fucking lunatic was never hugged by his fucking father. You know what's not difficult? Fucking publishing the fucking ebook is what I think. I don't really give one flying fuck what a legal review at Simon & Schuster has to do. Fuck Simon and Schuster. They were going to publish Milo's book. I realize that I'm in publishing and I have to deal with publishers, <laughs> but fuck them. Fuck them for publishing this bad man's book. Or if you want, you want to be unfucked, fucking publish it. Show the fucking world that Lindsey Graham doesn't say, oh, I'm going to sit and read it in a classified setting. Fuck your classified setting. It's a book. It's going to be in sale in the fucking airport in a couple of weeks. Go fuck yourself. So much work has gone into so many lesser important things. I have seen publishers trip over their own dicks to do stuff for books about fucking wizards. If you have a book, like I have seen them jump through legal hurdles and rush prints and move dates. I have seen them do it. I know it is possible. And yes, you may have legal issues internally or with John Bolton's payments if you hit EPUB now, but you also may help save the fucking country. I realize I'm a lunatic shouting into a bag and that no one is going to do this. But they should, because it's actually, when you really look at what's at play, not that fucking hard. You yeah. have the file. It's formatted. Yeah. It's fucking ready to go. I mean, how many people, on in your experience, how many people at this point have read this book? I mean, it will, it will, There's... It will depend. If, the, if a manuscript is heavily embargoed, I, I know how many people read, say, Harry Potter and how they how they move that around. Yeah. You know, that would only be so agents, main editor, um, whoever was. Hand- There's probably a ghostwriter in this mix. Yeah. So let's just say so that also the one agency that seems to be doing all these creeps books is this place called Javelin. And it is like the nexus of evil of literary publishing. So. Fuck those people, but it'll be everybody at Javelin. It'll be the editors at Simon and Schuster. And presumably, I don't know if they went to multiple editors, or they probably they went out with a pitch or whatever, but only I guess Simon and Schuster right. will have read it. Um, I would say two or three editors there will have read it because they'll need multiple eyes on it, plus copy editor, plus legal review. Um, a publicist will have to have read it, marketing people will have to have read it. I don't know, maybe even the school and library department will have to have read. I don't know. Like it's like maybe 10 people in there will have to have read it. 
at least. Yeah. So let's just say 10 people there, people at Javelin, uh, independent publicists, which he probably has, will have had to read it. Um, his lawyers will have had to have read it. Uh, obviously, I've read it. The White House. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say that there's people floating around New York, just, you know, copy editors and things that have read it. Yeah. I can't believe we have a national crisis that could be averted maybe if somebody just put had a book on NetGalley. This is so dumb. This is the dumbest <laughs> thing that has ever fucking happened. <laughs> well, I can do you one dumber, Maureen. Oh. Rudy Giuliani has a podcast. Look, that's not dumb. That's great. How dare you? <laughs> oh, before the Bolton stuff emerged as the dumbest thing ever. There was a wonderful spotted item, like a spotted rumor item in Politico's Playbook Plus. Quote, Rudy Giuliani in the American Airlines lounge at JFK Airport this morning, complaining on speakerphone that no one can find his podcast. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Feed me. So... I decided to help him out, Maureen. And as we discussed, uh, as we discussed last episode, mm. uh, in my collection of Rudy Giuliani phone numbers, uh, of which I texted him back in November or so, I'm had so a, had some back and forths with him uh, using the burner phone, wonderfully paid for by our Patreon. Thank you. Thank you. Um, he went to ground on the phone number that that had been hot. Um, and just stopped replying even if I burned numbers. Uh, but I noticed in the Lev Parnas documents that were released a couple of weeks ago that Lev was obviously texting with Rudy. And while they black out the last four digits of all the phone numbers, they have the area code in the first three. And I realized that one of those area code in first three matched a different number that I had for Rudy. Mm -hmm. So I think last episode I was like, so I texted it just to see. And he wrote back. <laughs> right. And. <laughs> And you were like, oh, what did you do with it? And I was like, oh, I just filed it away as this is a working number. So Rudy's in the American Airlines lounge having trouble with his podcast. So I texted Rudy. Sounds like you're having trouble with your podcast. What do you need? I'd say that one thing that works really well are funny characters people love. Can you do voices? I die. Or, oh, can you get Lev back? And I I thought I would not hear anything. About 30 minutes later, I get a response. Whoever sent it out must have been a tattletale in school. Working fine now. Oh, and by the way, I can do voices. Make sure you subscribe. I'm going to have a stroke. <laughs> I'm going to have an actual stroke. <laughs> Dan, what are we going to say 10 years from now when we float on our little floating pods between the fire seas? What are we going to say <laughs> about this time when you were shitposting the president's lawyer as he sits screaming in an American Airlines lounge? Yeah. They're going to say these weren't bright guys and things got out of hand. I'm going to actually die. Speaking of not bright guys, Maureen, mm. and speaking of Lev Parnas, whose documents 
reinforced that I actually had a working phone number for Rudy Giuliani. Um, this weekend, a report came out of um, of a video of Lev Parnas and his crony Igor Fruman and other people at the Trump Hotel in D.C. last spring with the president, um, where they basically goad Trump into having a shit fit about U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Ivanovich, starts going absolutely nuts. The quote that really made the, the circuit is him yelling, get rid of her, get her out tomorrow. I don't care. Get her out tomorrow. Take her out. Do it. Which is weird that he's telling like these two goons to take out a ambassador. But that's not actually what I want to focus on, Maureen. Because it turns out that that recording was a video. And in that video is a gift for me and you from the just from the universe, Mm. because in the video, you see most of the menu placard for the meal that they ate together at the Trump Hotel. Dan, you see a. It's all done in a cursive font. It says Mr. Lev Parnas on it. There's sort of a nice little swirly line. And then you see two items from that menu. The first is something called the presidential cheeseburger. Uh-uh. And it lists its ingredients, but we do, the frame never goes all the way down. But we do know first item, American cheese. That's the title of the whole, this whole period or the book about it is called American Cheese. Oh, nice. I thought you were going with presidential cheeseburger, but American cheese is better. And pickles and lettuce. One would assume probably what mayo, ketchup and mustard were the other Mm. were the other items, maybe an onion. But Maureen, in addition to that presidential cheeseburger. They were served a wedge salad. You need to shut your beardy mouth you need to shut it you need to stuff that little beard in that little mouth of yours you need to stop this right now dan stinker you need to stop baby iceberg lettuce applewood bacon onion crisps mm. avocado and blue cheese dressing you you be quiet (laughs) also there's just no way that Trump eat, uh, eats avocados. I kind of no wondered about the blue cheese dressing too, but then I realized that was a very sort of 80s salad dressing, like steakhouse oh, salad dressing. Yeah, and they serve it with wings. I, it's so creamy and unctuous. He eats that, but he doesn't eat avocado. No, I, I would guess it. I mean, the Trump Hotel is not really splashing out for a lot of avocados, so it's probably a couple of green squares off to the side. Mm. But a wedge salad, Maureen, it has been a long time since we've had a bona fide, documented wedge salad sighting in the Trump sphere. As the person who's had to watch all of this, and we'll be watching it again today starting at one o'clock. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I may turn it on. Two long days. I'm going to be unpacking and reassessing, you know, kind of putting stuff back to rights. So I may put on the old headphones and listen to some uh listen to some arguments to share your pain do you, you think there will to. be witnesses uh, do you think the chances are better now than they were last week 
Yes. I think the chances are better today, Thursday, than they were last week, Thursday. Mm. Um, at this point, there have been multiple kind of slightly better than wishy-washy commitments from Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, and Lisa Murkowski on witnesses. Um, they need four. That's three, which means if those three stick around, which giant asterisk on that statement, right? Um, because they have not stuck around before. Um, if those three stick around, it means there's one. One actually feels relatively achievable. Mm. Um, but it's a little bit more complicated than that because there is first, there are actually two votes and please don't ask what they are because I am actually quite confused on it. But um, I do know that there are sort of two votes before they even get to the point of naming who they would like to call for witnesses. And then there is a vote for each of those people. So there is the possibility that you may have an agreement to call witnesses and then no witnesses end up being called. So there, there are a bunch of weird ways that folks that are somewhat notorious for trying to play both sides could actually play both sides. Um, so I, even if I think that there might be a call for witnesses, I'm not 100% certain that there will be witnesses. Um, there's also the possibility that Democrats may end up shit canning it because, you know, if they call Bolton, who do the Republicans want to have called? And I don't think the Democrats are going to agree to Joe Biden, for instance, being put up there or Hunter Biden. Um, and so there's the possibility that the Republicans may just poison pill witnesses generally. But I do think the possibility of witnesses is higher right now than it has been since the start of this process. And that's because of the fucking game that John Bolton's playing. Okay, a couple questions. I can understand why they wouldn't want to let Joe Biden or Hunter Biden on the stand. Um, a couple of reasons. One, it would be playing into the game and making it seem like there's actual fire. Yeah. And two, Joe Biden is nuts. And, you know, yeah. he sometimes he does really, he's, he's unpredictable. Sometimes he speaks in a very statement-like way. And sometimes he tells you stories about corn pop and kids combing his leg hair. I mean, you. you <laughs> um, <coughs> now, I I think that in a courtroom setting, he'll probably do okay. I mean, he's he's very experienced in that. Um, I don't know what Hunter Biden's like. Um, I think Hunter Biden would not do well. Knowing enough, mostly because that dude has some real weird ass shit in his past. And that would a hundred. Oh, yes. Uh, and that would a hundred percent come out to play. And my gut is he would not do well in that in a, in a cross examination in that capacity when they're bringing up kind of flaws of his of his life. Um, I also think that they would bring up that same shit with Joe. So, and he would then lose his shit. 
right? Um, I don't think he, I think he is statesmanlike. I don't think he would be able to defend his son well, because I think he would get very upset. I mean, in his defense, in Joe Biden's defense, he has been through some absolutely horrific family trauma. Yes. That has to be respected. I mean, he lost his one time, his whole family in a car crash. He yeah. lost his son uh, to cancer. I mean, he's been through a lot. And he's I been through a lot. He has been through a lot. I mean, as I don't want him to be president, but I have a lot of sympathy through about all the things he's been through. Yeah. And then having yeah. to defend his, I, I can imagine him just, you know, throwing it on the line to defend his son because I think that at this point, this man will, you know, he's going to defend his children because he's lost children. The, he's lost multiple children. And that is really hard to think about. The potential witness that, that the president at least has floated repeatedly that would like being called that I'm not a hundred percent certain would be the worst, even though it would certainly be fucking weird is Adam Schiff. Yeah, it's just weird, but I like, think it would be fine. Like the lead house manager is now going to testify as a witness seems real unlikely, but I feel like that dude could fucking turn that shit around real good. Yeah, and that'd that be would, fine. Like that would blow up in their face far, far more than Joe Biden would blow up in the Democrats face. You know, he's he's a um, very good speaker and he knows he knows the fucking details he the and case. he would be able to turn shit around. Why they keep pressing on that is wild to me because it is. I'm I'm not a big city lawyer, Maureen, but uh, I can what? even see what a bad idea that is for them. Um, them and I that 100 percent. Right. And that's the it. thing to me is like if they are negotiating over witnesses. Because if there are Republicans that want Bolton to be called, it isn't simply just a here are the Democrats list and here's the Republicans list. Right. Like there is at least one person that there is as of now. Some level of bipartisan support for calling. Um, then, OK, let's give you Adam Schiff. Like I would. It, it, it is completely fucking nuts to call the lead prosecutor as a witness for the defense but um okay yeah but i think well, that the thing to me is that, that that it is, is, it, is fairly it the, do you think it's just the president wants it because i can't see why his lawyers would so the 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 reason that republicans get all shitting themselves over adam schiff is because the whistleblower approached a staffer on Adam Schiff's staff to say, because Adam Schiff is the head of the intelligence mm -hmm. committee, uh, the whistleblower approached a staffer or an intermediate for the whistleblower, we actually don't fully know, um, to say, hey, th there has been a report filed and it's not going anywhere. And you don't know about this report. And what should I do? And 
that staffer, this is all based on reporting um, and not like wingnut re- reporting. The staffer went back to Schiff and was like, uh, I'm talking to this person. What's what's the protocol here? And Schiff was like, here's the protocol. And then the person followed the protocol. Right. Um, which was to escalate it in within channels and and all of that. And Republicans have seized on that since it became known that this whistleblower went to Schiff's staff, that Schiff knew the whistleblower, coordinated with the whistleblower, blah, blah, blah. Now, actual common sense and the actual reporting says that's actually correct in the in the chain of command of the whistleblower. If you you have filed your report in one place and it's not going anywhere, it actually one of the channels that you have within the kind of the the bounds of how it's supposed to work is to go to the head of the House committee that oversees whatever part of government you're in and to say, hey, there's a report where where should I go from here? Um but that's why they have wanted Schiff, because they feel that Schiff basically orchestrated all of this from the start, which is like the facts don't bear that out. But that's why everyone on that on that side of the fence loses their mind about Adam Schiff. I mean, great. Do it. I, I said, yeah, but I mean, but we'll know. Right. So the yeah. the, the way this is going to play out. Uh, today is eight hours of written questions by senators, uh, read by uh, John Roberts, and then answered by the the two legal teams. Um, and tomorrow is another eight hours uh, following the same structure. The questions will alternate Republican and Democrat. Um, there's a 16-hour time limit written into the rules of, of impeachment. Um, so that will absolutely end tomorrow. And then... Friday will be the start of the witness um, process, uh, probably start and potentially end of the witness process with two hours of debate. Um, A initial vote. I said I didn't know. I believe the deal is there is a first vote on whether or not to open up the process to discuss the possibility of witnesses, Mm -hmm. which at which point motions and things like that can be made. And then, and so that could then open it up to be a much longer process. Uh, And then there is a second vote to actually decide to have witnesses or not. I think that's right. And then there would be vote on actual witnesses, but most likely if, if the Republicans pull their, pull their party in and there are not four Republicans that will go with Democrats, that would that vote would fail. That initial vote likely would fail or the secondary one would fail, um, at which point they would jump to the vote to acquit. If you were a betting man, what's what's your. Uh... If I was a betting man, I would still I believe I believe the president will be acquitted by the end of the weekend. With no witnesses called. No. I think that I think that the, it, it requires four people to be heroes. Mm-hmm. It, it requires four members of the Republican Party to stick their neck out real far. And while they can talk ish, a good ish sort of game right now, when push comes to shove, I we have not seen a single member of the Republican Party do that in three years. Why start now? Mm-hmm. I hope I'm wrong, but I, I, I would be surprised if I'm wrong. Do you think there might be more developments this week with the 
more leaks from the Bolton book? Or? I mean, that's the main that at this point, that is the main. That is the main question mark. What is still to come? Mm-hmm. You know, John Bolton could still. We're, it's 10.05 in the morning central. There's still two hours before today's question session. He could show up at a Sabaro right now and start talking, right? Um, he's the biggest X factor in all of this. And I'm not sure that anyone knows exactly what his fucking game is. But, um, but it, you know, there certainly is the possibility for developments. But over that two days, there is also the possibility for Republicans to really hammer the narrative, which we already heard made in closing statements yesterday and in Alan Dershowitz's statement on Monday night, which is even if everything John Bolton says is true, it's still not impeachable. Right. So they do have the final refuge to hide behind which is simply it doesn't matter if he did it it's still not it's still not enough to remove him from office in an election year right um that's going to be the cudgel that they try to beat potentially for members of their party down with cool Wedge salad, Maureen. Okay, but let's just say he does get <laughs> acquitted by week's end. Yeah. Is this, does the stink in the air linger? Because then the Bolton book will come out, no matter, you know, it right. rolls out. I think the stink lingers. I think that, I think that if you look at this, this, there's never been a president removed from office by the impeachment process, right? Um, and that is a that was a known known going in. Getting getting two thirds of the Senate to vote him out has always been the longest of long shots, right? Um, no matter how airtight of a case they had, um, the the to me it was always the potential of him getting out of office was a Nixon like conversation of basically being like, you're, this is a, this is a mortal wound and you should just, you should How do you want to go? Right. Um, that conversation never happened in large part because they knew uh, once it got to a vote, it was never going to go. Right. So the, this was always sort of going to be the case to me. The biggest question is with a relatively small, uh, 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 the Senate is in play this year, right? Um, it leans a little bit more toward the Republicans retaining, uh, but not a lot more. There are six seats that are really apparently in play. Um, and I think the question is, which side pays a higher price for all of this come November? And my gut is that actually the Republicans, vulnerable Republicans will pay a higher price than vulnerable Democrats, right? So does this stink linger? I think so. I think at this, I, I'm not sure at the presidential level, um, but certainly at the Senate level and probably at the House level, this will be, this will be something that is factored in in November. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, Dan. 
Well, says who? Is possible by you. And when I was out on the road for the half a tour, or just over half a tour, I did two thirds of the tour and I will be completing it. But I've met a bunch of says Whovians. It's amazing, isn't it? I met a bunch of says Whovians. I had prints with me. So I gave away a couple says Whovia prints. I had stickers with me. Um, so people had, and I had some wedgie pins. So all kinds of stuff was uh, distributed. People loved the prints. Um, when I was, I had sent my print away to be framed and it arrived while I was gone. Oh. And I, when I got back, there was beautiful, they did a really nice job. I, I sent it off to one of those, send us your stuff. We frame it places. And they did a great job. I love it. Looks fantastic. Um, and, uh, it was really cool. We also, somebody, uh, uh, in Denver, someone gave me a says who mug. They made it that the night before because I'd been posting pictures of some penguins on the wall when I was, when I arrived in Denver, I went to my friend Kate's daughter's uh, Girl Scout meeting. Um, <laughs> of course. And there were all these amazing penguins on the wall that these kids had made. And uh, this person made a penguin mug based on that with the Sesu logo that was still drying and, and solidifying when they brought it to the event. And it is. That is amazing. The coolest. Um, that so is says, awesome. Meeting Sesuvians is always like, the greatest and uh, people are very worried about you. <laughs> the question I got a lot was, is Dan okay? <laughs> eh. it, won't well, be, it won't be a mortal wound. <laughs> it's, I was like, well, no, he's, the, I wouldn't say yeah. he's okay, but he'll be all right. When the spring comes and this is over, it'll be, you'll see him frolicking around his little beard. will just be flopping around as he, <clears throat> as he trips through the daisies. Ah, uh, says Whovians are the best, and they make this all possible through the support of our Patreon at patreon.com slash says who. The other thing I, I learned think... is that yeah. six-year-olds, um, so I was in the shower getting ready to go for in the morning that we had to catch the plane to Philadelphia, and I'm standing there showering, and the door opens, and I hear, hi, Auntie MJ, and then the shower door <laughs> opens, and I am joined by a six-year-old with a notepad. <laughs> and who had been recording my every movement that morning. So in this, it's a, this amazing little set of uh, like a, like a detective pad where they, <laughs> she wrote, just got out of bed. And then they, they were, she was carefully writing is in the shower. <laughs> and I was like, just be cool about it. Like, don't like, yeah, it's fine. Like, yeah. and then, you know, cause you don't want to, I don't want to give her a complex in any way. So I'm like, just be cool. Just be cool. She's in here. It's fine. <laughs> Hey, can you hand me that towel? <laughs> cool. Um, but yeah, I had a, I had a lot. I got a phone. I, I the little visitor in the shower broke up a dog fight. <laughs> an eventful, an eventful time in Denver. Our theme music is performed by Ted Leo. Our logo was designed by Darth. Love you, Darth. You can contact us at Says Who Podcast on Twitter. You can email at hey, that is H-E-Y, at sayswhopodcast.com. You can join the discussion on Facebook at slash group slash sayswhovians. Our Facebook group is moderated by Janice Dillard. And a quick aside and thanks to the sayswhovians in the Facebook group because uh, an article came out about me and the impeachment.fyi uh, work this weekend in the Chicago Tribune. And somebody posted a quote from it in the Facebook group where uh, I'm talking about the kind of the workload and says something to the effect of I'm downstairs 
all evening and I end up missing dinner. And that sucks because I like my family. And it also sucks because I'm the one that usually cooks dinner. And um, all of these says Whovians started posting simple recipes for Janice to make. There are dozens of them now. And it's amazing. She was like, I can't believe like this is the sweetest thing. And they also look really good. And she has already kind of pegged a couple to to work through this weekend. Another another thing she could do is if she needs a simple, quick meal solution, if you subscribe to (sighs) says who backslash front slash blue apron slash Janice slash recipes dot org. You can get 500 free boxes um, if you want a single piece of dry spaghetti and um, a plan. They'll send that to you for the low, low price of, I guess, $100 Uh, a box. Thank you, says Whovians. And thank you, Blue Apron, uh, for sponsoring us for four years now. Damn it. Spread the word. Subscribe. And please leave stars and reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Join us next Wednesday, February 5th. Fifth, God damn it. Somehow it is the month of February next week. This hey, week. Jesus, I'm not, it's Saturday. I'm not against it because that means January is over. That means spring crawls closer. You know what? Do you know what happens in February, Maureen? Do you know what happens in February? Do you know what happens in February? No. I'm going to Disneyland with uh, and- a friend of the podcast, Akila Hughes, Man. and potentially some other friends as well. And I'm going on my honeymoon. It's a good month. I'm going to Antigua. That is awesome. I that guess is I'm amazing. Have to bring okay. the microphone. <laughs> Perfect. Well, neither of us are doing either of those things next Wednesday, February 5th. We will be in your podcast feed, normal style, from my basement in Chicago. I am Dan Sinker. And from home, sweet home, I'm Maureen Johnson. And this has been Says Who. Seriously, if you're eating something and you're like, I don't know, something's off. Just stop. Just stop. Morph. Just stop. Morph. Don't, don't even make that noise. Don't even make that noise. It's not <laughs> oh, funny. No. Just oh, don't even. No. Oh, no. It's upsetting. Oh, no. Please don't. Oh, <laughs>